Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franzen here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you ask you the same questions over and over again, and it's the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Brendan Farrell is Director of Operations and an Associate at AO. He is known for his ability to foster collaboration and build consensus. Known by those he works with for his keen ability to help organizations identify the incremental steps needed in the present to empower confident strides in the future. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And it's absolutely my pleasure. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit about AO and what you guys do. So AO uh, had been known as Architects Orange for quite some time. We rebranded just uh, about two years ago. But AO is a full-service architectural services firm. We're 300 souls strong with headquarters in downtown Old Orange in the county of Orange in California. Um, And we've been around since 1974, and we provide services to all the different sectors, you know, all all public sectors, all commercial sectors, multifamily sectors. The only thing we don't really have major inroads with is uh, federal government work, but we do all the rest. Um, So our headquarters here in Orange consists of the campus of four buildings. Then we have some satellite offices in Northern California, in San Diego, in Atlanta, and New York with our eyes on different regions. Um, our staff makeup is, we're a very diverse organization, um, but we grew up in an organic way. It started in 1974 with one guy who, over the course of time, either developed or partnered with other partners, leading up to a peak of about nine partners a few years ago and, uh, you know, the diversity that we have today. Can you give me an example of like a commercial, maybe a building um, that was oh, a product sh- of AO? Uh, sure. If you're in the Los Angeles area, there are there's two pieces of work that we've been involved in. Right at the corner of Rosecrans and uh, and Sepulveda, there's a a retail center called the Point, and then there's also the Manhattan Village Retail Center, and those are both large, you know, multi retailer units with restaurants, public spaces, lots of different complexes, things like that. Retail centers is a, is a thing that we were known for uh, as we grew, and we've really taken it, the design of those things to a whole new level. What would you say maybe characterizes the what makes your retail centers unique as you've taken it to a new level? Uh, we like to believe, and, and we have been told, that it's the element of design that we bring to it. I mean, there's, there's a really boring way to do that, and there's a really accepted way to do that. And then if you add just a little bit of flair and a slightly different perspective, you can have an entirely different experience, not only of the building as a, as somebody, uh, as a patron of the building, but also driving by or anything like that. 
So you are not only an associate at AO, you are also the director of operations. What do those responsibilities entail? So as the director of operations, I'm the first director of operations that AO had, um, has had. And my responsibilities are really, when you're dealing with a partnership like ours, uh, and when I came on board, we had nine different partners. And as I alluded to earlier, sort of the evolution of the organization had been very partner and very product type specific. So that had led to, over the course of time, sort of each individual business unit or partner kind of developing their own systems and processes and, and that type of thing. And then in the year or two before I joined, it became very clear to them that they would do fare much better moving forward into the future if they could figure out how to uh, really collaborate and act more cohesively as an organization. So, you know, they were um, kudos to them. They were able to recognize the fact that they might not have the best brains or the time to oversee that type of a process um, in terms of bringing people together. And that's sort of what I've done. Um, and that's my responsibility. We, we talk about the journey we're on now is going from a, a group of nine tribes and building a nation state out of it. Um, which is colorful, but really it's just an extended sort of merger between between these nine different ways of doing things. Um, and that's what I oversee. So I have a, a great deal of oversight and input into all of the daily operations, the development of the other functional area departments, um, and with particular emphasis on facilities. Uh, but then I work very collaboratively with our director of finance, our director of IT, our director of marketing, and our HR department. Why is collaboration between architects at a firm um, important? Uh, wow. Um, so collaboration is a big, huge word. Um, and I think just about anybody who would be listening to this podcast or becomes interested in this type of work has had some sort of taste of. Um, I came up in a, in a, with a theater background, so I was exposed to what genuine collaboration feels like very early on. And it's amazing, the, the ability to bring the best ideas of certain individuals into a room and come out with something even better is extraordinary and it's empowering. So, um, but it, it requires help because when you're, when you're doing collaboration, what's really important is that everybody understands exactly what you're collaborating on. So vocabulary has to mean the same. Um, there has to be a shared sense of understanding and what you're trying to do. And the gentlemen that I work for, the, the partners here at AO, are quite simply too busy to necessarily spend the time to figure that out. So a lot of my job is making sure that everybody's perspectives are heard and understood by me, and then providing a synthesis over time that everybody can relate to and seize onto and act upon. So how many people, uh, I think you mentioned it, how many people work at AO? About 300. So uh, tell me a little bit about your process of um, ensuring collaboration among you know those 300 employees. Uh, well, the most important part in the beginning um, you know, when collaboration isn't an endemic cultural system, the, the first part in building it, I, I believe, has to do with getting the initially the right people in the room um, and two, just beginning the process of trust building. You know, so and I'll tell you, over the four and a half years that I've been here, our levels of collaboration keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So you start on smaller things that are easier to understand and, and develop a shared meaning about. And then you then you go out from there. So starting with the right people in the room is, is the, the first step. Um, and what I mean by the right people in the room, it can be anybody who's involved in the ultimate objective of what you're coming together to collaborate over, but they need to have open minds. So uh, dealing with architects and getting to that point, you know, architects, particularly once you get to the level that the partners at AO are at, are very used to doing sort of operating from their perspective the majority of the time. 
So to be able to let go of that a little bit, step back and be open to others' perspectives is it's really the root of that collaboration. So the people who get into the room have, have to be able to have that ability. How do you ensure, or how do you, uh, you know, kind of open an architect's mind if they're used to doing things a certain way? Uh, I, whether it's an architect or anybody, I think, um, you know, ultimately it has to be their idea when you're, I think when you're dealing with, with any type of, uh, for lack of a better vocabulary word, type A personality, um, it's very important that they have ownership in the creation of whatever the solution is going to be. So in terms of my particular process with that, you know, usually there's a great concept of what your problem is. Um, so you spend some time tagging the, the grayness with more specific vocabulary terms and you have discussions and you tag those vocabulary words. And when you start to hear those vocabulary words back from the other people who are in the conversation, then you know you can build on something because we're starting to use the same vocabulary for stuff. Um, and that's, that's basically how the process goes. So when we have a collaboration or an initiative I will spend my prep time before we embark on the process, kind of figuring out how we're going to talk about this. And then once I start to hear words back from me, I know that that particular image or, or methodology or modality is working. And then we'll seize on that, make sure everybody agrees on it. And then we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper with it. What are some of the challenges in terms of uh, kind of achieving organizational clarity in a firm like that? So organizational clarity, I think, is, is difficult. Uh, for any organization. I do believe it's a little simpler when you have one CEO, particularly if it's one CEO who also happens to be a founder, then the, the vision tends to be extremely clear. When you develop uh, historically like an organization like AO has, and even operating from an LLP structure, which is really set up to protect, you know, to protect the partners kind of from each other, um, getting to a shared point of view is much more difficult. So it's about... Um, you know, the organizational clarity, honestly, it's the same process as the collaboration. It's defining where we're unclear, and there's a lot of places where we're unclear, tagging that lack of clarity with slightly more clear definitions, descriptions, whatever it is, and then continuing to build on that. And then once you know you've got a shared understanding, then you can build a process that directly affects your frontline workers that's in line with that clarity. Has COVID uh, affected this collaborative process? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and particularly for, for a business like ours, where a lot of at least the early work in a project is very collaborative and it's design oriented. And um, you're, you're normally in a room with a bunch of different stakeholders and everybody's communicating and you get the entire body. You get the body language, the energy, the, the tension in the voice, all of that stuff. And there, there are a few distractions. So going remote made all of that much more difficult. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's absolutely been a challenge. Does that answer the question? Yeah. So how how does how does it look compared to just is it just basically the same except like I would imagine if you talk about building trust, I would imagine mm -hmm. that's much more difficult when you're talking you know to a small screen like this rather than kind of getting a feel for how the person actually is. It, it, it is absolutely, and um, you know, in the beginning when we first went remote, uh, there was relief and almost a bit of a joy in figuring out that we could actually do it, that we could get it done. Um, and, you know, there's a honeymoon phase. Once you get to that point, you're like, wow, maybe we could save a whole bunch of money on rent and, you know, all that type of stuff. But then you begin to realize as you really get to get deeper into the work that, no, there's something that can't be done, at least not in our line of work, over a screen. You just can't. You have to collaborate about it, uh, physically about it. 
Um, so what we've done is we, we try to get people back into the office as much as possible, as much as they're comfortable. Throughout the course of the pandemic, our organization has been very clear about the fact that we wanted to get back into the office. So we've had we've, we've been in and out a couple of times, depending on how uh, the pandemic is going. But, Do you get, go, go ahead. ahead. No, Do no, you guys no. use any like software, um, you know, like Slack or something like chat? Mike, we, we live and die by Microsoft Teams at this point. Um, okay. that's, that's what we hooked our horse to. We, the, the company had been, when I first started here, the company was still on-prem. So the decision uh, that we made to move over to Microsoft 365, you know, in the 18 months before the pandemic even hit, uh, really saved our bacon over the course of it. Um, so that was a that was a huge gift. And in the beginning, when I first <laughs> brought up Microsoft 365, um, we have a joke at AO that everything at AO starts with a no because we're very traditional sort of conservative organization. When I first brought up the concept of Microsoft Teams, they thought I was crazy. And then, of course, now it, it's our lifeblood. I have one more question for you, but first, how can people find out more about AO? Our website is aoarchitects.com. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful representation of the work that we do. The website is a great does a great job. Represents not only our products but our culture very well too. My final question for you: Do you have any favorite books or podcasts that you find um, valuable in terms of helping you kind of do what you do? Oh, that's a fantastic question. I listen to so many. Um, you know, Tim Ferriss, depending on who the guest is, can always bring out some interesting stuff. Um, the armchair experts sometimes when they when they talk to, to business leaders can bring out some really interesting insights because the questions they ask are from a very different kind of perspective. Uh, and then some of the gentlemen you mentioned earlier, the, the gentleman who wrote the E-Myth, that's a fantastic book to read. Um, and honestly, Thomas Paine's Common Sense is a fantastic <laughs> piece of piece of work to return to every now and again. Um, and then, of course, you know, just making sure you're, you're tuning in and paying attention to your own thought processes. Whatever books may do that for you, you should, you should continue to invest in those. How does somebody with a kind of a background in theater get into operations and architecture? <laughs> I wandered through a lot of fields to get here. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's the same thing. In, in theater, it's about creating shared understanding and creating an experience where people may be able to change their minds and, and leave for the better. And it's about telling a very clear story, making sure all of the parts serve the overall story. And, you know, you replace the term story with business need. And that's exactly what I do. Okay. Very nice. Hey, I really appreciate your time today, Brendan. It was great talking to you. Great to hear your insights. Lovely talking to you as well. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my